Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Hey there, welcome to the show. I'm Ryan O'Leary. First off, let me wish all of our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving holiday. Turns out the Steelers will not be hosting their first Thanksgiving Day game at Heinz Field due to the Ravens' current COVID-19 situation. The NFL moved that game to a 1.15 p.m. kickoff on Sunday, and the game will be played in an empty stadium, so plenty of disappointment to go around for Steelers fans looking to feast on those struggling Ravens. It's also a decent blow to the casual football fan, as Steelers-Ravens was easily the most delicious game on this year's Thanksgiving menu, and Instead, as Kurt sort of brilliantly put when we recorded this episode earlier in the week, we're left with the green bean casserole of Thanksgiving football, Texans versus Lions and Cowboys versus Washington. But still, we looked ahead to the Steelers matchup with the Ravens this week and still covered some fun topics like Heinz Ward's Hall of Fame credentials. Thanks to everyone for listening. And once again, happy Thanksgiving. It's a good spot for the Steelers, and they got screwed a little bit earlier on in the year, right? They got screwed by COVID a little bit, and I'm not saying Baltimore's getting screwed, but they've got a little situation they're dealing with, and, and this is going to put them against the eight ball a little bit in this ball game. And it just makes me think, like, th- it's time to start thinking, Kurt, 16-0. And, and I, can't, I can't help myself. I just got to go there. Because how often do you get to 10-0, 11-0, right? You just don't – that just doesn't happen every, every day. I know it doesn't happen every day for the Steelers either. It's time to start talking about it. And I looked on the Steelers wire, and there's a, a, an article that all the fans are sharing, and it's predicting the Steelers the remaining six games on their schedule. And, yeah. and I looked at that article. Every, I think it was – was it you who picked these or someone from USA Today? I, don't I think did. It, okay. I did. It was you. I think every game was a Steelers win except for Buffalo. So that means we're really close yeah. to being 16-0, Kurt. We're really close. I, you know, I, I turned it around, too. I had originally had the Colts game as a loss, but I, after watching the Colts play, I'm just I'm just not quite sure what to make of them. Um, I think they play pretty good defense, but I'm not, I don't have any faith in their offense to keep up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting at 15-1 right now. That, that Bills game just terrifies me at this point. But, uh, you know, I, this game terrified me. The, the Browns game terrifies me you know the the Bengals had Joe Burrow not gotten hurt was probably going to be terrifying at that point um you know they the the, right now you might be looking at a situation where if Kansas City drops a game um, between now and the end of the season that that last game of the season might be a bunch of backups in there so possible you know they I I don't think I don't think Tomlin cares at all about going 16 and 0 he wants to he wants to win a Super Bowl and so that's one of the probably the biggest detriments to to Pittsburgh maybe run the table in the regular season is the fact that if they can't improve their status that last week, you know, if they're if they're 15 and 0 going into the last game of the season and have the first first spot in the playoffs locked up and that only by, I could see him benching everybody and just saying, you know what, I don't care. And so it's it's not enough that it's just that hard to go undefeated. I mean, there's so many good teams, but I could see just situationally if they, you know, like I said, if Kansas City happens to lose a game and Pittsburgh keeps winning, uh, there there'd be no reason for them to to risk anything in that last game. So. Unless it was something, I think they play Cleveland that last game of the season. So unless it's something, you know, just to knock Cleveland out of the playoffs or whatever that may be, but I, I'm not even thinking about undefeated. I'm thinking about can they beat can they beat a, a Baltimore team with four starters on the COVID list right now? So no doubt, no, that's spoken like a very nervous Steelers fan right there, Kurt. I love that. So I, I got the I got some thoughts on this topic, and I think it's really interesting. Let's pick that up on the other side. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. 
sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays entering week 12. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones returns from his bye week to face a team that is emotionally deflated after losing quarterback Joe Burrow. The Bengals have given up three 30-plus point games in the last five weeks and one that was nearly 22 points. This matchup is 32.3% better than the league average over the last five weeks and it offers Jones a chance to redeem himself after what has been pretty much a horrid second year. Gamers will have to act fast on this one because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. Baltimore Ravens running back Gus Edwards is in line to see the bulk of the touches after J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list. The upside for Edwards is he faces a team that allowed 16 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown to him in Week 8. The downside is Pittsburgh's been pretty good against running backs all year long. Anytime you have a guy who has an opportunity for the lion's share of work, it's worth getting him into the lineup. Indianapolis Colts rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. versus the Tennessee Titans. These teams met in Week 10, and Pittman posted 7 catches, 101 yards, but he didn't find the end zone. He did make it into the end zone last week, however, for his first pro touchdown. Pittman has averaged six targets in the last three games and he's produced wide receiver three or flex territory numbers. He's only getting more comfortable in the offense and now he has one of the finest matchups of the year facing him in week 12. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. faces the Carolina Panthers. Prior to suffering a groin injury a couple weeks ago, he was on the right track and was heating up. Now he gets a chance to rebound facing one of the worst defenses of his position. Carolina has given up seven different performances of at least 10 PPR points in the last six games against tight ends, and all five of the touchdowns allowed this year have come in the last eight contests. Smith is risky, but there's plenty of upside to be found here. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So, Kurt, I understand everything you were saying before the break there. If the Steelers get to Week 17 and they're 15-0 and they have a chance to go 16-0, and but they've got it all wrapped up and it's, it's really a, a not a big game against the Browns there and he decides to rest a bunch of guys, especially given the fact that the Steelers kind of lost out on their bye week, right? And they've been playing a million weeks in a row. So I think all of that would come into play. But as a fan, you wouldn't want that. You oh, wouldn't, absolutely. You wouldn't want that thing, that 16-0 <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, So as a fan, like, gauge that for me. Is it Would it put too much pressure? on it would it make it even too tense for you like you just said you were worried about joe burrow for for crying out loud right yeah, uh, yeah. so would it make it too tense for you or as a fan would you be like no come on we want that would you regardless of what tomlin would do as a fan would you want him to go for it i would i mean but the problem with that is you create expectations at that point i've already had so many fans reach out to me and say you know what's going to happen they're going to go 16 and 0 and then lose their first playoff game <laughs> right. and at that point 16 and 0 won't matter anymore you know, to, to the Steelers fans, 16-0 and regular season is meaningless if they get knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. So I think if you have to choose between giving your team an extra week of rest and being better prepared for the playoffs, I would hope most Steelers fans would agree with that. You know, I just I, I can't imagine any Steelers fan is going to go away from the season happy with anything less than a deep run in the playoffs. I know there are some people have said, you know, if they don't win a Super Bowl, the season's a wash. But after missing the playoffs for two years in a row, to have the success they're having this year, people got to be pretty excited about that. You know, you, you've got there, there was a chance that this season was going to be a wash. We didn't know if Ben Roth 
Roethlisberger was going to be able to come back and play as well as he has. You know, there was no way to gauge how this season was going to go. I mean, they went 8-8, eight eight, almost, made, almost made the playoffs last year with, you know, Duck Hodges playing quarterback for <laughs> eight games. So, so you know, to get Roethlisberger back, I'm sure everybody wants to see 16-0. I would love to see, and, and, and I'm not saying that, that they're going to be in that position at the end of the season anyway. This could be wide open. Kansas City could still have one loss and Pittsburgh's got to play it out to win. That would be sweet. Just to hold on to their spot. I mean, Kansas City's a good football team and they don't have to play Las Vegas again. So I don't know if they've got anybody else on their schedule that can play them close as they do. So... It could be week 17, win and win near the one seed. You know, that's a that's a real possibility. I mean, Pittsburgh could could lock up a playoff berth this weekend if they win. If they win this week, and I think if the I think it's the Raiders and Cleveland maybe lose, or Raiders and Miami lose, they they secure a playoff spot. That's insane. And so yeah, so at that point, you're just playing for position without two buys. Um, it really makes it tight. I mean, it, it really it really complicates things as far as who you're going to play in that first round. If you're the number two seed, you know, things roll right. They could end up playing, if they get the number two seed, they could end up playing Cleveland for a third time. I mean, anything could happen. But, no, for me, I'd rather have 15-1 and one at a playoff run than 16-0 and 0 and have the team just be spin. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I totally agree with you that <laughs> Buffalo does appear to be the toughest because I, I like them against the Ravens. Uh, the Washington football team, get out of here. I don't see them being on upset <laughs> alert there. At Buffalo, tough game. That's going to be really fun. It could go either way. Yeah. It's going to be a shootout. Could probably come down to the wire. I think the Bills will score score some points, and so will the Steelers because the Bills are yeah. very good on defense. That'll be fun. It'll be like that Bills-Rams game, that Bills-Seahawks game. But if they get through the Bills and they're 13-0, Kurt, oh, man, is it on the table with oh. Bengals, Colts, Browns. It is so on the table. Yeah. And I, I can't help but uh, root for it at that point. <laughs> Just a fanboy in me. But you brought up Big Ben, and you're so right. We, we didn't know what we were going to get with him. It kind of felt like early on in the season he was talking like uh, he, he's on his last legs. This might be his last year. I really thought it, it felt like a swan song early on in the year. And now he's on pace for 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's where he's at. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't heard Roethlisberger's name too much in the MVP talk. I've heard it in, I've heard Josh Allen, I've heard Russell Wilson, obviously Pat Mahomes. Yeah. What about Ben Roethlisberger, Kurt? Where do you think he should be I, in that MVP race? I think he should at least be in consideration. I mean, you got to think, Roethlisberger has been in the league since 2004. He's never even got an MVP vote. There's never been a single vote cast for That's him wild. for league MVP. Must be and, just and, a playing style or something? It is. He just doesn't put up big numbers. I mean, he's the, he had one season where he led the league in passing. He tied with Drew Brees for passing yards. I think that was 20, 2017 or 2018. But other than that, he's and the big thing is he's never been a big um, passing touchdown guy. That's that's never been his thing. The, the Steelers' offense has traditionally been you get up inside the ten, you start running it. Um, you know, a lot of guys get get lots of rushing touchdowns, but he's never been one to throw for a ton of touchdowns. The red zone offense, you know, historically hasn't been as good as it has been this year. And so, yeah, never got a vote. I mean, I think you have to look at him when you look at the team last year and you look at the team this year. When you talk about value, there's no player that adds more value, has added more value to their team this year than he has. You know, and, and you really have a good way to look at it when you base it on the fact that what happened with essentially the same football team without him. You know, there haven't been a whole lot of additions. Yeah, Chase Claypool's a good football player. Nice to have him on there this year. Defensively, they probably have less talent this year than they did last year. They don't have Javon Hargrave. They don't have Devin Bush now. Um, you know, so and the offensive line definitely is as good as it was last year. 
last year. So in terms of value, I don't know how you don't have him in the, at least the top three. I'll just be happy if he gets some votes this year. He's got to be in the discussion. That'd be like ludicru- yeah. ludicrous if he wasn't ludicrous. So yeah. right, the uh, the semifinalists for the 2021 Pro Football <laughs> Hall of Fame have been announced. There's always a couple Steelers on that list. There's a name that seems to appear every single season. I want to get Kurt's take on that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, happy Thanksgiving from Sportsbook Wire and BetSlipping Podcast. I'm Eston McLaren, joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 12 Monday Night Football game between the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks come in on the road, minus 250 money line favorites. They're laying five points at minus 110 odds. The Eagles, plus 205 on the money line, plus five point dogs at home, minus 110 odds again, over under 51 and a half. Jeff, how are you feeling? Do the Eagles have any chance of keeping up with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Nope. And you could talk the rest of the time. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks minus five. Uh, Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of performance. Um, Russell Wilson was flirting with an MVP run. Maybe not so much anymore. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. It's all bad news over there in the city of brotherly love between Doug Peterson, um, the GM, Howie Roseman, and Carson Wentz. A lot of people are in trouble over there if they don't get this game in, or if they don't win this game, and I'll take the Seahawks minus five. Minus 110 odds for the Seahawks to win by at least six points. I'm going to parlay that with the over 51.5, minus 106 odds, so a little bit better value there. Seattle and the over 51.5 odds from BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSlipin Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. So, Kurt, we were talking coming out of the break. Heinz Ward, he's a semifinalist once again for uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Super Bowl MVP, you know, 1,000 career catches. He uh, was a Steeler forever, right? What was it, 14, 15 years? He was a Steeler. 15 seasons, yeah. 15 seasons for Heinz Ward. And I, I know as a receiver, you often got to pay your dues. You got to wait. You know, sometimes it takes four, five, six, ten years to get in and to get finally inducted. I think this is the fourth year in a row that Heinz Ward is a semifinalist. What kind of yeah. case do you think he has? I think that there are just names ahead of him still. Yeah. I think that yeah, the, I, agree. I think that there are just other wide receivers that have been waiting longer. I don't know if they're better. I don't know if they're necessarily worse. Um, but you know, we had that that sort of. Uh, that stretch in the 90s where we had all those good receivers and a lot of those guys are still waiting on their opportunity. And I think until you get a few of those and guys that retired in the early 2000s, he's just going to have to wait it out. I mean, I, I don't think you can go in there and make a case for him. I think he's great. Probably the best possession receiver to ever play. You know, him and probably Marvin Harrison are the best, you know, sort of tough guy inside receivers to ever play, at least in the modern era. I mean, I'm sure there were some throwback guys, but you know, blocker, uh, I think he gets dinged a little bit because a lot of people view him as kind of a dirty player when he played. 
you know, some of his blocks and some of his hits and like that were very gray area. I know that shouldn't necessarily figure into it, but I think the biggest thing that hurts him is the fact that there's just still four or five guys that have been been on the ballot for years longer than him. And there's just, even though he's one of the few guys to ever get a thousand career receptions, there's still a pecking order for when you go in. It's kind of the same boat that Alan Fanick is in. You know, he might be the best guard in the, that was playing when he was in the league other than maybe Steve Hutchison. And, but he's just got guys ahead of him. I mean, you know, those, those kinds of positions Gotta just wait. don't, are, yep. they're not premier, you know, they're not premier positions. And I, I know fans get angry about that. You know, the, they've had to basically create a category to get Donnie Shell in finally last year and, and things like that. But, you know, it's, it's, their time will come. I mean, the, the hall of fame isn't shy about adding lots of players. I've, I've always kind of had a love hate relationship with the hall of fame. I, sometimes I feel like the, requirements aren't quite stringent enough you know they don't it's it's hard sometimes to tell what qualifies you for the hall of fame anymore and with offenses being so prolific now in the nfl are we going to look in 15 or 20 years and go these guys numbers are insane and they aren't near the talent that guys who got you know getting in ahead of people but yeah i mean those both those guys it's probably not their year i mean that, that that's the honest truth when when alan fanica first went on the ballot five years he's been on five straight years I said that he wouldn't get in, and I said then the next Steeler to go into the Hall of Fame would be Troy Polamalu, and he was still two years away or three years away from being eligible. <laughs> and I said they're just not going to put a guard in yet. Yep, they're just, yep. just not the way it works. And so to be, you just don't get in the first ballot. And wide receivers, unless you're Randy Moss or Jerry Rice or somebody like that, you just don't get in. So I'm okay with it. I was probably more disappointed to see that Heath Miller didn't even make it as a semifinalist. Yeah, I was going to give you that. Um, I was going to give you the floor for that. Go ahead. You know, I, I'm, I'm not saying he should go in, but in terms of blocking tight ends in the last 30 years or 35 years, I'm not sure there was a better one. But the fact that he never had huge statistics is going to be another thing that just kind of holds him out. He's always going to hold a special place in Steelers fans' hearts. I mean, he's the best tight end in franchise history by far, but he's not going to get in anytime soon, but I at least thought he'd get some respect as a a semifinalist this time around. But uh, again, he might be the one that that when he finally gets in, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's doing his induction speech because, you know, their careers were so linked together. But yeah, that that was more of a surprise to me than the fact that Fanica and Ward made it. I'd love to see Heinz Ward make it. I mean, I think he was, he's one of those guys that, it didn't matter if you, as long as you were playing against him, everybody could root for him. Sure. But yeah, he's he's got to wait his turn. I mean, look how long it took To and you know some different guys to get their respect in the public eye, um, and that's just going to keep happening. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm okay with that. I'm not. I don't get too hung up on the Hall of Fame discussion. I'm not a big I'm not a big Hall of Fame guy. I, I yeah. call it the Hall of Really Good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not always. I, I agree with you. It's it's not only football too, Kurt. It's all across the board. They're they're letting anybody yeah. in these days uh, across. Yeah. The board across the board uh yeah i agree uh, just my childhood i was i was pretty young when heinz ward was out there dominating and i think one thing that works against him a little bit is that we don't really have a way maybe we do nowadays with all the advanced metrics but back then it was hard to kind of measure his impact as far as a blocker and as you said a yeah. tough guy and he just was and it stood out and you you did as a as a you know little kid rooting for the patriots you hated Hines ward because he went out there and he kicked the crap out of your team you know what i mean he was yeah. he was just so freaking good and i hope his time comes but i agree with you i think there's there's quite a wait ahead of him i i don't think it's coming anytime soon but what what's thanksgiving look like in your household this year i know the covid's kind of <laughs> screwing things up but i hope i hope it's a great holiday for you man what's going on with you uh, we're doing the, the social distancing thing. We're we're gonna we're gonna keep keep just close family and 
and that's going to be it. It won't be too bad. No, no. I always see your Twitter feed. You always got good stuff going on on Twitter with your food and stuff. You're always posting about that stuff. So I figured there's, there's got to be something cooking in your house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of food going to go down starting tomorrow. <laughs> Seriously, Kurt, we're, we're 13 episodes in, 13 weeks of doing the podcast. I've had a, a blast. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, all right? You too. Have a great holiday. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.